going on, Fantasy Fam? Hope you guys enjoyed your Thanksgiving. Week 12 was a doozy. We had a lot of storylines to get into, a lot of major headlines that took place uh, actually yesterday and today. Um, some things to discuss, and then we're gonna play. Uh, we're gonna talk about what we saw this past weekend and how it impacted the NFL and your fantasy teams. So let's start with some storylines. The biggest one yet again, another fight breaking out in the NFL. Mm. I don't know what's going on, but this uh, this latest Crabtree versus the city of Denver, basically. What happened here? I, I really unbelievable. It happened uh, in a previous game, game too. Yeah, week it didn't. Last year. Yeah, it didn't start quite a riot like this week did pretty intense brawl the fact that crabtree taped his uh taped it to his chest the, the the necklace or whatever you know whatever it was to his chest and talib found a way to still rip it off was the second best part of this the other part like i said before was the fact that crabtree started fighting every member of the denver denver team at one point yeah, like it did. was just him versus the world so i just just thought it was some food for thought to discuss my, my favorite part of the whole thing is that Marshawn Lynch was the one to escort Tlaib out of yeah. off off the field to near the tunnel. <laughs> like the, he, he's Marshawn friends Lynch. with everybody. He's just friends yeah, with everybody. Right. Marshawn Lynch is is being the mediator. It's it's literally hell has frozen over too. Um, but he's yeah, that was help, not a fan. Well, for fantasy perspective, this really screwed you if you had Crabtree. He went out in the first quarter, and it screws you again for the next game. So yep. Yeah, if you're if you're a Crabtree owner in the playoff. Playoff potential, or uh, you're already in your playoffs. You know you're not very happy with Michael Crabtree because he's probably your number one-ish, two-ish uh, wide receiver, and to have him missing this week is he's going to be a big loss. Seth Roberts. Yeah. Amari yeah. Cooper's down. Amari Cooper might miss the yeah. game too. Yeah. If Cooper's hurt too. I say Jared Cook and I say Seth Roberts. Yeah. And and protect and actually, one I'll add is that is, is Jalen Richard. He had a touchdown this past week. I think he could play some a, a pretty pretty decent role out of the backfield catching the ball. Yeah, I mean they're they're not playing a let's say formidable foe, my my New York Giants, but <laughs> it's, it is a home game. And Derek Carr did throw for two touchdowns last week. I thought against a, a solid pass defense in Denver, even missing to leave. And I know Harris was out for a few plays, but signs of life for Carr. Hopefully, will continue. What a fantastic pivot to the New York football. Giants, and um, the fact that Eli Manning is going to miss a game, and how, how does this? This is ruffle your feathers. Your 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 team is not looking good this year. You're out of the playoffs. You know, no chance of making it back. And now you're going to start Geno Smith after Eli's had one of the the second longest streak, right, in NFL history, or third longest streak? Second behind Brett Favre. Yeah, I think 211 games. Yeah, the longest active streak and second longest of all time. I honestly, um, I think I'm a I'm a fan that can put put things in perspective, I think. And I've been defending the Giants, you know, even Jerry Reese, the GM, a little bit, you know, because we won two Super Bowls. It's always tough to say that somebody doesn't deserve a job, you know. But when it comes to professional sports, how the team performs, right, and, and your track record, recent years, what have you done, who would you pick, like, and how have they performed on the, on the football field? McAdoo even, because they did so well last year, and then this year, it's tough to say, get rid of them after one bad year. I know we're in New York. And then you go do something like this, which to me is just like disrespectful, embarrassing on so many levels, because it's not like Eli was necessarily the problem here. Any quarterback, aside from like a Russell Wilson or a Deshaun Watson that can literally run around like a chicken with their head off trying to find open receivers on the field, I mean... Eli was the least of the of the worries or the problems, I would say, this season. And to bench him, not for a rookie quarterback to see what you have in him, 
knowing if you have to draft a quarterback next year. It's for Geno Smith. Don't don't we all already know what he brings to the table, though? Honestly, so I think it's it's slightly despicable. Um, it's it's embarrassing on multiple levels, and I and, and it's it's upsetting for Eli. But I think the good thing it, it's almost like Eli looks more endearing to fans in a sense, though, right? He was like showing some emotion about like how it's upsetting, and he's done so much for the city. For he was the man of the year last year, co-man of the year. He's done so much good for the, for New York, for humanity itself. I know I'm getting a little carried away here, but humanity. I mean, yeah, but it's true. It's true. And for him to get like yanked like this. Uh, I mean, he's handling it with dignity. He's going to go out there and back him up. It's just, I just don't understand it at all. I will offer my two cents and then I'll be done. My first piece is that I thought the Giants should have done this over the past few years when they were out of it, whether it was Ryan Nassib and then this year with Davis Webb, I think they could have handled it much better. But see what you have. You know, Eli's aging. He's not going to be a Giant forever. He's not going to be in the NFL forever. Why not see what you have and be able to build around that? My second point is is I'm going to make a prediction, and it's going to be a wild and crazy one that no one will believe, and it probably won't come true. My prediction is that Eli Manning will be a Jacksonville Jaguar in the next year or so. I believe he's going to follow Tom Coughlin, you know, a guy that helped raise him into the quarterback he was and helped him win two Super Bowls. But also because the Jag- Jaguars need to really need a quarterback, and I don't think they want to go the route of drafting another quarterback. So if you could get... With that, you know that defense, Leonard Fournette, a you know an offensive pretty, line that you're building, pretty good, good receiving wide core. receiving core. Yeah. yeah, why not get somebody like Eli in there and try to you know make yourself into you know get yourself into the playoffs and win a win a championship? You know, a uh-huh. little hypothetical, but why not? There is the connection. Other, Tom yeah, Coughlin, exactly. So. I, I see I see it as a possibility, but other than that, I feel bad for Eli. I think this could have been handled with much more class. And when all is said and done, Jerry Reese should be gone. And almost McAdoo too, if this was his yeah. decision though, and it's going to blow up in everyone's face. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's terrible what they're doing. I'm not a fan of it. I'm just surprised he got benched for Geno Smith. <laughs> yeah, that's the if, thing. If anything, it should have been Davis Webb. You know, Davis, so. It, I mean, it, honestly, it means that he must be that far off from yeah. being ready. Like, he might be like another Christian Hackenberg type project where, like, or Nathan Peterman, who knows? You don't want to throw that kid out there and have him have throw five picks in the first 30 seconds of the game. Right, because that destroys his confidence, too. Or maybe they're just putting Gino out there so that he can watch and be like, oh, so that's what I don't do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do the opposite of that. <laughs> Got it. Thanks, guys. Lesson learned. Yeah. So another guy who's going to be starting his first game for the 49ers, not his first NFL game, it's Jimmy G. Jimmy Garoppolo will be starting his first game since being traded to the 49ers. He did make it into the last game pretty despicable situation that went on in San Francisco with uh, C.J. Beathard going down and fans cheering. Um, I thought that was pretty despicable on their part. That's you are 1-10. Cool. in 10. Um, The last thing you should be doing is cheering for your quarterback to go down so that Jimmy Garoppolo can come in and play. Um, so I thought that was something to, to discuss. But what do you, what do you guys think? What do you guys think? They're playing the Bears you know, in Chicago. You know, they're 1-10. in 10. They really aren't going anywhere. What are you expecting from Garoppolo? Not much. Okay. He's got a, he doesn't have a good supporting cast. I mean, he's also coming from one of the best schemes in the entire NFL. Bill Belichick, Tom Brady, to the 49ers now. So it's it should be an interesting start. I'm saying maybe close to 200 yards, a touchdown, two picks. I'm actually going to go um, go the other way here since they are playing the Bears. Um, I know it's a complicated system to run Kyle Shanahan's offense, but I'm going to go out on a limb and, and see if I can pick him up in like some deep – leagues with the hope that he actually does okay supporting cast i agree brother it's not it's not incredible mm. i mean he, he was he was amazing in the last 
52 seconds of the game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm more interested to see what he what he can do without being in New England. Um, we saw what he could do in the last, you know, like you said, the last you know quarter and a half or whatever it was in the last game. Not even, right? It was, less oh, it was than like that. a minute, honestly. Yeah, like okay, minute. yeah, it wasn't wasn't long. It felt like it was an eternity. But I'm, I'm interested to see what he can do without the Patriots' offense, without Bill Belichick. You know, Kyle Shanahan's a very good offensive mind. But that being said, he's not in New England anymore. You know, it's San Francisco is lacking talent. Marquise Goodwin is their number one. Carlos Hyde has had a good year, but for the most part, he's not a, you know, a great running back. And his offensive line is awful. So I'm not really expecting much, but I'm hoping that he can show that he is capable of handling an offense like he did in New England. Yeah. Then they could use a draft pick on somebody else for next year, right? Yeah, I I, I agree. And if they only lost a second for him, so that first round pick you can because they're on. gonna get a first pick. Yeah, they're gonna get a top <laughs> three pick. Let's put it that top way. Top three easily. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, yeah. another thing that we can discuss here, and that talk speaking of a, t- a top three pick, destined to be a top three pick is. The Browns. Is is there a light at the end of the tunnel here with Josh Gordon finally coming back? I mean, he's missed the last 54 games the Browns have played. But since he played his full seasons, I don't I don't think he's done well at all. Definitely someone that you should have on your roster, uh, on your bench. I don't know if I would start him this week. First game back, maybe give it a week. That's what I would do. Yeah, pick him up. If you if you have a spot, somebody that you're not going to play regardless, I say pick him up because I see the situation potentially playing out. Alliteration aside, he's going to be peppered with targets, just like DeAndre Hopkins, I think. They're just going to chuck it to him, honestly, every other play. So if that's the case, I mean, he's obviously going to show some rust this game, but once he gets um, you know, his game speed back up, I mean, he could he could show some show some big play potential. Yeah, and I, I'm not expecting him to come out there and have the mo- greatest game of his career. I'm not expecting him to go nuts. But I think that he has the talent, and him and Kaiser could potentially have a, be a formidable duo. Who knows? I'm hopeful. Some other pieces of news just to brush over, just to kind of you know give the listener what's exactly going on in the, uh, in the NFL today. Darren McFadden retired after 10 seasons. Um, kind of unfortunate seeing that some people had pegged him as a possibility to replace Zeke. After um, the suspension, that did not happen. Um, another thing is Greg Olson's foot injury. Not a big deal. Um, people were kind of scared since he's just coming back from injury. But uh, they said they would you know, know more by Wednesday or Thursday if he'd be playing this week. Uh, the other thing I want to discuss is, is, is Kenyon Drake. A lot of people have pegged him as a possibility for a running back two in, in fantasy. Um, somebody you would be willing to start um, either as your running back two or your flex. Having the confidence in him is the problem. Having the confidence in him in, in the Dolphins is the problem. You guys willing to take that risk and roll the dice? I think as a flex RB2, RB3 potential, yeah, I think. They're, they're talking about bringing, um, I think I think our boy Tavion Smith. From the practice off, squad. Off the, off the practice squad, yeah, former, former Michigan player. So they... They don't have a backup right now. He's gonna he's gonna just get the ball the entire game. I think. Um, so there's definitely some upside. We'll, we'll see with Denver reeling. I don't know what's going on in that situation, but obviously if Talib doesn't play, and I mean he's he's going to get the workload, right? So he's a like workload heavy potential. Right. Miami Miami also exa- you know exaggerates a little bit too much for me. You never know what you can believe 
they are four and seven, and they are going into Denver, even though Denver isn't playing well. Uh, they do have one of the fourth best rush offense. I mean, rush defense in the NFL, giving up 87 yards per game. So I'm not seeing this as a great matchup this upcoming week. But going forward, you know, if you're looking at a you know keeper or a you know a dynasty league to stash him on, I think it's worthwhile. I really think that Miami has the faith in him, and I think he's a pretty decent running back. So, and then the last piece I had to talk about, just as a going forward, is a Blaine Gabbert. The Cardinals. Yeah. How how crazy is this? A guy somewhat, let's be air quotes here, somewhat um, resurrecting his career under the um, the great Bruce Arians out in Arizona. We've seen from Blaine Gabbert in the past that he has the intangibles. He just can never put it together. You know, Jaguars was a complete and utter failure. San Francisco last year, we saw he saw bits and pieces of a quarterback that could be a serviceable starter in the NFL, but not a you know a star by any means. And the fact is, he'll never live up to his first round potential. But if he can succeed with you know Bruce Arians and the, the quarterback whisperer he is, I think he might have a chance going forward in 2018, maybe especially because Carson Palmer's on his way you know into retirement. Yeah, I think um, he definitely, like I've said many times already in this episode, he showed some uh, sh- signs of life for sure. Um, he threw three TD passes two games ago to this game, but he also had two picks. A fumble, he didn't lose it two games ago. In this game, he had um, a pick and a, and a fumble lost as well. So uh, the turnovers, I think, is what is what ultimately concerns me. But he's slightly more mobile than any quarterback they've had. He's been moving around a little bit. So R. Seals Jones, man, playing on the practice squad with him. He is a formidable starting tight end over the past two games. Keep mm-hmm. your eye on that, dude. If you have someone like Cameron Brait. <laughs> Maybe you drop Brait for this yeah. guy. <laughs> Ricky Seals and Bl- and Blink and uh, Gabbert. He threw 34 passes his first game, and then the next game he threw 38. They actually have the confidence in him to throw the ball. Yeah, I think it's more of a you know that's you know that unfortunate stash on a on a dynasty that you might be considering. Uh, ah, stash. Did you say stash? Mustache. Uh, mustache. Mustache. Going forward. No, I think he's a he's a possibility for somebody who could keep on that bench and you know in a dynasty league and hope to God that if somebody gets hurt as your starting quarterback like Aaron Rodgers did this year for a lot of people, you know, it'd be somebody to step in on a high powered offense like Arizona. So pivoting now to our question of the day, I know we haven't talked about them yet, and it's unbelievable to me that we have not, but then at the same time it is kind of believable seeing that they suck. The Kansas City Chiefs are falling apart at the seams. So my question to you both fine gentlemen here is, will Alex Smith finish the season as the Chiefs starting quarterback? And part two of this question is, with Smith, if they can, you know, decide to go with him still, does this deter you from starting any other Chiefs on your team? Because I sure as hell know it does for me. And it has. <laughs> so in one league, we're in together, brother. I, I want to bench to kill. <clears throat> Mind you, we have Crowder, who we could start over him, so I think Crowder is a better option going forward. Kareem Hunt, the past three like three games, he got nine carries, 18, and then 11. Mind you, his average is pretty good, but he's not getting the workload anymore. Not a clue. And Alex Smith, I think he's going to keep starting if they're in the playoff hunt, and if they're not, then maybe Mahomes come in. Yeah, I don't think... That Andy Reid's going to pull a Ben McAdoo here and like just disrespect this guy that's given him so much, you know, to the team, the organization over the past few years. But at the end of the day, it is about winning football games and playing, playing well on Sunday. I think Alex Smith will remain the quarterback. I think they they have to get a little better. I mean, they're they're basically like cellar dwelling right now when it comes to 
like the play calling and how they're distributing the rock to to Kareem Hunt, it's just atrocious. I think run the ball, man. Nineteen rushes, thirty six passes for Alex Smith. I mean, they're they're moving away from the basics, and they've already had their bye week. I mean, every team has, but a- Andy Reid, you you need to you need to reassess. Um, start putting the ball in Kareem Hunt's hands. But in regards to starting him, am I am I scared? Yes, the Jets have a pretty solid rush defense. I know Christian McCaffrey did carve them up a little bit this week, but honestly, it's a coin it's a coin flip for me with with Tyreek Hill and and Kareem Hunt. Honestly, I'm not if I'm starting them, I'm not confident. But you got to have somebody that you're confident in to actually pull them out of your lineup. I feel my only considerations here would be. Tyreek Hill, I actually have more faith in than most. I think he makes plays. That's why. I think he is a playmaker. Um, he, he makes the best of his opportunities, throws everything. Same with Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey and Alex Smith have a great uh, rapport together, and I don't think that's going to change as much as anyone else. Kareem Hunt, Kareem Hunt however, is a very um, peculiar one because he has been awful lately. And when I looked at some of his charts, I looked at his runs, um, where he was going on each run. If you look at most of his early runs, you know, his first few games, he is an east to west runner. He is quick. He's got bursts of speed. He is not a north south runner. He's not a like Eric Blunt who's just going to you know hit you right up the middle and keep pushing you. That's not the type of player he is. He makes the most out of his opportunities. He makes the most out of pitches. He makes the most out of you know uh, screen passes. He makes the most most out of outside handoffs. And he's not getting those. He's getting the inside handoffs where he's getting knocked down by the defensive tackle or the linebackers as soon as he you know, makes contact with them. He needs to be given the ball on the outside. He needs pitches. He needs outside handoffs. Give him a screen pass for the love of God. I don't know what they're doing and what type of offense they're running, but Kareem Hunt is a playmaker, and they are making him do absolutely nothing in this offense. So that is my t- two cents on that. Yeah. And I think if the Chiefs want to have any chance of making the playoffs – um, at this point, for a team that's sort of 5-0, and they really need to reassess their offense. And with that note, we're going to pivot to a game, uh, to, a, to a little discussion here of what we saw and why this weekend. What, why it happened. What did we see from these players, from these games, and why it happened and what it means going forward. And what a better place to start than with the AFC West and the Los Angeles Chargers. They looked fantastic. I mean, I don't know about you guys. I watched bits and pieces of this game. I was too busy stuffing my face on Thanksgiving. They looked awesome. Phillip Rivers and Keenan Allen looked great. Thank no, God. I think they're. I think they're going to take over um, that division. They're going to ultimately make the playoffs. I think. Uh, very excited to see Keenan Allen over the last two games. Just keep throwing it to him, Philip. Hunter Henry has come back to life over the last two games as well. Uh, Melvin Gordon, I'd like to see a little bit more production. He's getting the carries, but he's not getting the yards. Would like to see a touchdown as well. I think this week they're playing in Cleveland, so hopefully it's a party for everybody. Keenan has been a revelation for this offense um, from a guy that people weren't sure what to expect coming back from the injuries he's had. But my God, these last two games he has looked great. Unreal. He looks, yeah, he looks like Rivers' number one target again. He looks just he looks himself. And from a fantasy perspective, it's got to be making people very happy to know that Philip Rivers is coming into his own this season uh, after a shaky last year, um, 2016 with a lot of interceptions, you know, Keenan Allen coming back from injury. You know, these are players that you really need that you're trying to, that you're building your team off of and your momentum off of. And if they're going to try to carry themselves into the playoffs, they're also going to carry you into the playoffs. So I think that's a pretty interesting one to watch. Uh, the Cowboys, however, are going in the opposite direction. Complete so. opposite. It's just how do, you, how do you feel? How do you feel? The vibes down here in, in 
this area, you know, everyone's just feels so depressed and down. It yeah. it's upsetting. It's upsetting to see because there there is talent on this team. I, I know that obviously you have to perform out there, but I think the coaching is pretty rough right now. Jason Garrett, I don't I don't understand how he still has a job. He probably should have been fired. But mm-hmm. last year Dak and Zeke helped him out to keep his job and the whole offensive line, but this year is just it is awful. They've scored what maybe one touchdown the past two games, two touchdowns, um, if that. that. Yeah. No, they have not scored two touchdowns. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So the last the last three games they've played, they put up seven against the Falcons, they put up nine against the Eagles, and they put up six uh, against the Chargers. Single digits. Yeah, yeah. They have scored twenty two points over the past <clears throat> three. Games. Awful. Yeah. Awful. So that's the what we saw. So the the concept of this segment is, you know, what we saw. We saw the Chargers dismantling. The Cowboys. And why? Well, first of all, they didn't have Ezekiel Elliott. But second of all, it's that the Cowboys' pass defense is 21st in the league and getting worse. It's abysmal. Yeah. So, Sean Lee can't do everything. Demarcus Lawrence can't do everything. And it's showing. So, as we'll discuss later on tonight, is the fact that Washington plays the Cowboys this week. And that is a juicy matchup waiting to happen. Oh, boy. Moving on. What we saw is Joe Mixon finally break out. I mean, yeah. I'm excited for that. Way too late. Every league I had him in, I missed the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So it didn't even matter. You spent a fourth or fifth rounder on him in most leagues. But he finally was unleashed. That's two games in a row of 20-plus carries. And they finally pay off 165 total yards and the touchdown. Um, he goes up against a pretty good run defense, too. Yeah. I mean, thoughts about Joe? Are you are you are you saying that you know is it more of a reason because Gio was less involved and Jeremy Hill wasn't playing, or is it because they finally believe in Joe Mixon? I mean, they definitely believe in him, even with Hill sidelined and Gio. Now, now this definitely shows. Even if they're all healthy, I, I still think they're going to get their their feed, but mm-hmm. it's the Joe Mixon show now. I think it's his job to lose and keep it up, buddy. Volume dependent. I'm a little more concerned about the matchup. Um, Mixon hasn't displayed the any level of consistency yet this year because he has been getting the ball a lot over the past few games. So I'm a little concerned going into, I believe it's Monday night, Pittsburgh, uh, mm-hmm. Pittsburgh matchup. Cincinnati. So yeah. big division game. Cincinnati's just just on the outskirts of the playoffs right now. So um, it's, a, it's a big win for them. They're going to keep feeding them the ball. Yeah, that's what I was going to say is the fact that Cincinnati's on the verge of the playoffs, which if you look at the NFC, the NFC has a lot of talent. They have a lot of teams vying for those you know, wild card spots. And the AFC looks like nobody wants it. So for Cincinnati, I mean, they're going to go to the playmakers. A.J. Green's going to be involved, but I think Joe Mixon is starting to become that playmaker. He's starting He's to become, be. you know, that target time. that the uh, the Red Rocket really wants to, to wants to utilize. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then uh, Carson Wentz, the MVP. I mean, Harry, Prince Harry, as we as many, many people know him as. Right, um, right he, now he, he looks he, he looks exactly like unreal in what circles. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Carson Wentz is having a year to remember um, for a second-year quarterback. That doesn't happen to most third- or fourth-year quarterbacks, let alone a second-year quarterback. What are you guys thinking? I mean, that's five games this season with three or more touchdowns. He's got a 60.2 completion percentage. He's got 2,600 yards passing, 28 touchdowns to five interceptions. That's solid. 
and it's and it sucks being a Cowboys fan because this guy <laughs> is going to be around for a while. This is not good. Yeah. <laughs> it's not good, and I'm sure you're pretty scared too, there, brother, especially with your quarterback situation now. So oh, it's the just, NFC. Uh, it's the Eagles to like to dominate for the next eight years. They just got to give him the supporting cast. You, you, I mean, it's it's hard not to like what they're doing in Philly. You know, even being a Giants fan, if I take a step back and put things in perspective, it's I hate it. I mean, they're doing a lot of things well, and they brought Jim Schwartz in after he got fired unceremoniously from Detroit, and he's a defensive-minded guy, and their def- and their defense is playing incredible, number one against the rush, um, and he's making smart decisions with the football. Carson City, Pennsylvania. I think that's the. I think that's one of the most important factors here because he's not turning the ball over. He's only five interceptions. I don't even know how many fumbles, but it can't be that many. They're just playing incredible football right now. As a as a team, he's going to be there for years to come. But hey, hey, we did see RG three a couple years ago have an incredible rookie season, offensive rookie of the year. The team wins the division, they get to the playoffs, and then what? He's not even in the NFL anymore. I know oh, it's a schemed quarterback. This different and that, but situation. Hey, there's been a ton, if I go down the list, that I don't have in front of me right now, quarterbacks that did incredibly well in one or two seasons in the NFL and then never played again. So North Dakota State, eh? It's, it's more the fact that he's doing it against pretty decent secondaries, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, Chicago is not the best team in the world, but they have a pretty good they defense. They have a good defense, you they know, do. He's done it against Denver, against Carolina. Yeah. I mean, he's, he almost beat the Chiefs, which was their only loss of the season. I mean, he's done it against some pretty good teams, and I don't think it's going to stop. I don't think that any of this is going to stop. I see them winning you know, 14 games this year and him taking home the MVP, and that's what we saw. We saw, once again... Carson Wentz leading his team by demolishing the Bears. And it was why? It was, an, it was an embarrassing game. It's why? It's because he's the best player in football right now. That's why. Pretty simple, actually. He's awesome. And just think, there were, I think it was up until week six or seven, Carson Wentz was on the waiver wire. Okay? He was available in a lot of leagues in week five, six, seven of this year. And mm-hmm. he's, on, he's on his way to, this like Cam Newton a few years back. Cam Newton on his MVP season, you know, up until week four or five, he was he was a waiver wire pick. Matt Ryan again last year too. It happens. It's the year of the, the these last few years of quarterbacks, unbelievable. Talk about another guy that I think personally is the MVP right now, um, and because he is the game changing player that has led this team. They did lose this week, but he is leading their team to an eight and three record currently, and that is the rookie sensation that is Alvin Kamara. Love him. Wow. I, this We could spend a whole episode just talking about Alvin Kamara, I think. He's unreal. He is currently, the, here's a you know fun fact for you. In PPR formats, he is the number three running back. The number three running back. Christian McCaffrey? Tenth. Wow. Yeah. I was surprised but, too. So it's not, but, it's not far off, but Kamara is almost like the McCaffrey that was promised that you drafted way later. But the fact is that McCaffrey was drafted as the as the feature back. They had an aging Jonathan Stewart on his way out. True. You know, Camaro came into a situation that was Mark Ingram, that was at one point Adrian Peterson, that had Drew Brees passing the ball, and yet Mar- Alvin Kamara is making the most of his situation. He's amazing. He's electrifying. It's ridiculous. It's, it's so much fun watching him. All these fifty yard TDs. He's tied for second in the league with nine touchdowns, and he's doing it from everywhere. He's running the ball. He's catching passes. It is, it's insane. It's ridiculous. I love it. I'm okay with Drew Brees not passing. They've been building this offensive line over the last few years, over the last couple drafts, free agency. 
to prolong Drew Brees' career. He doesn't have to throw as much like he had been forever. And that's exactly what they're doing. Mark, It's the Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara show, and I love watching it. I'm going to tune in every Sunday from now on. Do you know what he's averaging per carry? A lot. 7.1 yards per carry. Wow. That's unreal. Wow. Well, Sean Payton, Sean Payton found his Darren Sproles part two. Wow. Better. But better. Better, yeah. Better than Darren Sproles. Well, I mean, better keep doing it for the next couple of weeks to get in the playoffs and then ride that Alvin Kamara wave to a championship. It's, Does Kamara kind of cool. remind you of, like, Brian Westbrook? That's a good comparison. I like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I like that. I like the potential for, maybe, like, being early, like a Westbrook. Because Westbrook early was LeSean dominant. McCoy. Ooh, young early Marshall Falk. Yeah. I was gonna say Ooh. young. I was, say, I was gonna say either young Marshall Falk or young, young Marshall. Marshall. Young Lashawn McCoy too. Warwick Dunn in his prime. Guys who can do both. <laughs> Guys who can run the ball, who can catch the ball, who can block. I yeah. mean, it's it's. They're game. They're a three down back. That's what he's. Saints that's Eagles. what he's turning himself into. Saints he's turning Eagles himself. for the NFC Championship. I'm saying that, it right now. Right. And like I love, I love a feature back. I love a guy who's you know who can. You know, get you those 10, 12 touchdowns. I love that. But I love a guy who can be on the field for all three plays because he makes all the plays needed to be there. You know, a guy who can catch the ball on third down and get you the first down, who can scramble, who can do anything he needs to to get you into the either first down or the end zone. His numbers last week were stupid. 188 and two touchdowns. Wow. Keep it up, buddy. On Keep 11, on 11 touches. On 11 touches. It <laughs> Give it to him more. <laughs> Just shows that they don't even need to. Yeah, they just got to give him to it. You know, they got to give him the ball as as many times as they see fit, and he'll still make the most of it. So, turning to a guy who has been the uh, you know the epitome of consistency, you know, this Antonio Brown this past week was electrifying. He was fantastic. He helped the Steelers win the game, but it's more the fact that he was a top three pick. And if you look at the guys who were in that top even eight or nine picks this year. Everybody who went in that first round, Julio Jones, finally a great game, but before this hasn't been great. Beckham, gone for the year. David Johnson, gone for the year. Bell has been very good, but not He's great. Been good, but he hasn't been AJ Bell. Green, AJ Green, very good, not great. Mike Evans, very good, not great. Mm. You see a pattern here. Antonio Brown is the epitome of consistency. And from, from my perspective, it just shows that going forward next year and the year after that is if... I'm not grabbing a top-tier running back. I'm grabbing Antonio, Antonio Brown. Brown. Yeah. That's it. Hands down. I mean, do you guys feel I have the same man crush on him that I do? I, pro- I projected him to get, I think, 120 catches this year, which he definitely could do. He already has 80 catches. That's ridiculous. Thank he stanks. <laughs> He's terrible. <laughs> oh, it's fun. He's fun to watch, man. I'm telling you, that offense is is clicking finally over the past few games, and it is very fun to watch. And they keep getting these Sunday night, Monday night football games. So they're a dynamic offense. There's a reason. Yeah, he put up 38. He put up almost 39 fantasy points in PPR formats this past week with his two touchdowns, over 100 yards, and 10 plus receptions. He's on pace for 116 receptions, 1738 yards, and 12 touchdowns. Uh, it's it's what I, he does every year. I want to see 2,000. I, I I would love to see that, but it's what he does. And as as a you know, just thinking about first rounders, thinking about August and September when we did our drafts, it just makes it clearer and clearer that he should be your top priority at all times. <laughs> it just it just makes it clear as day, and this shows why. I mean, Big Ben helps obviously, but yeah, he's okay. <laughs> 
So would you compare him to like Tory Holt, who was very consistent as well? Yeah, that's like another pretty solid comparison. Tory Holt uh, was disgusting. I was going to say for like I was going to say eight, actually Marvin Harrison too. Marvin Harrison, Marvin Harrison yeah. would have been mine because just based on the sheer volume, mm-hmm. you know, Tory Holt was great, but nobody saw that type of volume like Marvin Harrison did. Even with another, cards. even with even with other awesome receivers for the Colts too. Yeah, I mean Harrison just saw so much, you know, so much from Peyton. The, the, the receptions, the targets, the yards, everything. So that's what that's why I see with Antonio. But. It's amazing. Speaking of another dynamic wide receiver, King Julio down by the schoolyard finally has a great game. I don't great. have him in any leagues, but I'm happy to I'm happy to see it because I love Julio. I drafted him in a bunch this year. I mean, he's got the yards. He's second in the league with a thousand thirty nine yards and almost sixteen per catch average so he was getting the ball he wasn't scoring any touchdowns three touchdowns only three total Mm. two in this last game so i wouldn't mind a couple more targets honestly uh antonio brown and deandre has have 20 more on him on the season uh but this game though they just they peppered him with targets that's what you got to do you got to you got to put the ball the ball in your best playmaker right exactly that's what they did this week they did they put in tevin coleman's hands and Julio Jones, and look what happened. They scored some points. Thank you, Steve Sarkeesian. You've been, you must have been listening to the show because you changed up some of the schemes, some of the play calling, and you guys are winning. You're welcome. Two points, and then I'm done. Um, one is the fact that Tampa does have the worst secondary in the NFL, Thank so you. that helps for sure. They're getting up 285 yards through the air with so per game, so, I mean, that, that helped. But also, so irrelevant here, but you said Tevin Coleman, so it made me think a bit. And back to your Giants. I'm predicting Tevin Coleman on the Giants in the near future. Thought. Whoa. Whoa. I mean, I wouldn't be upset. I mean, we have but we have other priorities. But if, I actually you know. was thinking about that. Is the fact that he's in, you know, he's going to be a free agent. They can't keep both him and Devonta. They signed, re-signed Devonta to a pretty lucrative contract. Tevin to the Giants. Just food for thought. Figured I throw passed out one day and woke up the next day and he was a Giant. I, I wouldn't be upset about it. Would not be. Yeah, right. You would be very happy. That's pretty yeah. solid, actually. It's a bold <laughs> prediction. It would be very good yeah. for the Giants. A lot of giant predictions over there, Jets fan. Thank you. I like I like thinking of a team that has potential instead of mine. He's, he's so. got it exactly. <laughs> I, I like believing in other people's potential and building them up instead of watching mine crumble down around me. Um, <laughs> Here's an olive branch. Yeah. <laughs> so last last thing we'll talk about of what we saw this weekend and why. And this one to me is one of the more interesting ones, and that's Jared Goff. Why is because he was the number one pick. I mean, he wasn't going to be drafted number one without reason. You know, the, the the Rams saw something in him that some people last year doubted, and this year he is completely proving all the haters wrong. Um, he's had five games of two-plus touchdowns this year. So that goes along with Carson Wentz's five games of three-plus touchdowns this year. And I'm not trying to compare the two, but Goff is having a fantastic year for a team that is winning nonstop. 18 really touchdowns, good. five picks, almost 3,000 yards. I mean, he's being smart with the ball. I think Sean McVay, coach of the year, I've been saying it. I've been, I've been beating that drum. Um, he, it's, I mean, it's nothing short of remarkable, I would say, from, from the turnaround. I mean, the kid obviously had some sort of potential or talent if he's going to be the number one pick in the draft. But, I mean, it's, it's pretty ridiculous to watch. They're, they're playing well as a team. Todd Gurley, what a freaking animal. Love him. Yeah, he's, a, he's a big help, that's for sure. <laughs> Dish him the ball. He's, yeah, if you're going to hand him off the ball, he'll do something with it. If you're going to pass it to him, he makes the most of his situation as well. So 
Give me the ball to watch what I do with it. (laughs) I think it's very helpful. Let's put it that way. He is an animal. You're right. He he looks like an animal out there. Awesome. I think he's the number one running back right now. He's if he's not, he's definitely number two. Um, Gurley's had a great year, and it's Goff has definitely helped him do that. Obviously, so is Sean McVay. But you know, it's it's important to focus on the fact that Goff was. People were so low and saying, you know what, he was such a bust. No reason for you know him to be drafted number one. And you know he makes the most of his opportunities. But every throw is with you know is with some type of you know mission. Mm-hmm. And I, he looks good out there. He really does. And I'm I'm hoping he wins some type of not win, but like he should be considered a comeback player of the year type uh, award because mm. after a pretty rough rookie campaign. Interesting point. Yeah. So thank you both for that wonderful segment. Um, last thing we'll talk about tonight is the Thursday night game. It's Washington versus the Cowboys. And it's going to see a divisional matchup of one team that's c- kind of struggling and one team that's trying to come into their own, and that's Washington. So what are some things you're hoping for in this game? What are some things you're expecting um, from both the Cowboys' perspective and from Washington's perspective? I just hope the Cowboys can do something, like maybe score a touchdown. I mean, I think that's their first mission. They should probably try to get into the end zone. Yeah, it's a great start. I'd like to uh, point out that Chidobe Awuzi, the second-round pick, is going to be starting. Obviously, this guy has shown them something. Anthony Brown, he's not that good. He kind of he's stinks. Not. He does stink. He started pretty much almost every game, and in-step Awuzi. I hope this guy, they, they touted him pretty high, so... Let's see what he can do. I like to see that matchup. Hopefully he's not in Crowder. Crowder could light him up. I think the Redskins' offense um, still hasn't fully uh, reached their potential, honestly. I think Perrine's been getting the ball and gaining some traction on the ground over the past few weeks. Kirk Cousins, I know he's number two in the league in passing yards. Um, I'm still expecting a little bit more out of him. I think this could be his big game. I like that Jay Crowder is finally being peppered with targets and putting up some points. This past game, seven catches, 141 yards, and a touchdown on 10 targets. That's fantastic production right there. I think he was drafted probably sixth, seventh round. So he's he still has a couple good games in him to live up to that hype. Um, but now is the time because there's a week or two left to get into the playoffs, and then the playoffs begin for fantasy. So um, I'm excited for the Redskins' offense on this Thursday night football game. My two players that I would be focusing on from a perspective that has to do with just based on the fact of how the last game went, and that would be Kirk Cousins and Dak Prescott. Um, I think that Kirk Kirk had a pretty good game against Dallas um, a few weeks back. He put up 263 yards and a touchdown. Um, Dak did not have a great game, but Zeke did. Um, Zeke had, remember that, that was a game where he had 150 yards on the ground and two touchdowns. Yes. Uh, right. So I, I think that they're going to, I don't think they're going to go after that again. I, I don't see them giving Morris the ball that many times. I think Dak is going to be the one leading the charge from here on out. And I see um, Dak having a pretty decent game against a Washington secondary that's not exactly great. They're middle of the pack, um, top 20 defense, but nothing better than that. And I think that Jameson is going to keep continuing his role. I like Jameson Crowder this week yet again against a pretty horrific Cowboys secondary. Uh, and so for my picks this week, it would be it would be both quarterbacks and Crowder as um, the must starts. After that, I'm, I'm not feeling anybody honestly. Mm. Not even yeah. Vernon Davis. He hasn't he hasn't done uh, much the past few I'm, weeks. It's, it's really pissed me off for, this past week. Zero points, really. Goose I'm egg, looking bro. more for consistency. 
I'm looking for consistency, and there's not any players on these two teams that offer that. And so Crow- Davis, Crowder recently. Crowder has recently, and and I'm I'm willing to work with his upside as a flex. <clears throat> Absolutely, he has the upside to do exactly what he did last week. How Witten is so. still, I think, like a top twelve, like top ten tight end, and he's got. I mean, he got he seven is. catches for forty four yards this past game. Seven catches. He's, PPR. Yeah, he's a number nine. He's a number nine or t- uh, ten tight end in most leagues. That's not terrible. So Samaje over the last two games, twenty three and twenty four carries, over hundred yards, and a touchdown. Yeah, and he's going up against a defense that I mean, the, the Cowboys. The Cowboys' rush defense is not exactly stellar. I, I think that he has a pretty good matchup here um, to exploit. Samaje, I could add Samaje P Ryan as a as a potential. Uh, running back two or flex option for yeah. those who are trying to get into the playoffs or are currently in them. So that wraps up our week 12 review. Uh, what happened, why, and we discussed a little bit about the Thursday night game. Be on the lookout for our next episode, which we will discuss week 13. Talk about some matchups to exploit in that one. Talk about some major headlines that could take place. And we'll get you ready for the playoffs and beyond. So on behalf of me and my wonderful cousins, this is the Fantasy Fam signing off. <laughs>